thanks as ever for downloading another episode of the Grazia Life Advice podcast. This is Rhiannon and our latest woman worth listening to is right here. Hi, I'm Grace Campbell. I'm a comedian, an author and a podcaster. And I've just written my first book, Amazing Disgrace. Stand-up comic and feminist activist Grace co-hosts the podcast Football, Feminism and Everything in Between. That's with her father, Alistair Campbell, and you'll hear more about him later. Her new book, Amazing Disgrace, is a memoir come self-help text about shedding the shame. Coming up, why Grace prizes her friendships above all else. I treat my friendships like I treat any relationship. I nourish it. I cherish it. I work on relationships with my friends because to me, that's been the most important sort of support system in my life. Why she chooses never to work with men if she can help it. A lot of the men I've worked with in my not very long career in like comedy and TV and and this world have gone out of their way to make me feel uncomfortable. That's why I just will now say they're not for me. I'm not for them. And we hear how she's learned to use fashion to boost her self-confidence. It was this red, puffy, it had an amazing long train and with like boots. And I was like, I feel, even though I was so nervous about the show, I was like, I look amazing. Therefore I am amazing. It's a really good way to reinstate confidence when you're feeling a bit insecure. Now, if you know Grace, you probably already know there's gonna be some strong language and sexual themes in this chat. Totally your call, but if there are kids in the room, you might wanna save this one for later. That being said, here we go. Hi, Grace. How are you? I'm good, Rhiannon. How are you? Yes, brilliant. I'm so happy to have you on the show because I have just been laughing my head off reading the chapter titles even to your new book called Amazing Disgrace. So thank you for joining us. I'm very happy to be here. So we are going to talk about your new book. It's called Amazing Disgrace and it's a book about shame, it says in the front. But it's funny. Tell me about the book. It's about shame. It's about all of the different types of shame that young women live with that I don't think belongs in us so it's told very much from my own experiences so I can't speak on behalf of all young women but different types of shame like shame around masturbation and sex and jealousy uh, shame around fears of rejection mental health um, coping strategies there's lots of different types of shame that I feel are particular to women my age, but also quite universal. And I hope a lot of people will relate to it. And I hope the book makes people feel less alone. And I hope it makes them laugh. I was going to say, I think it's important to say the book has made me laugh so far. So, you know, it's interesting that you can tackle those serious subjects in a funny way. And I guess that's a lot of what you do with your whole career in general, isn't it really? Yeah, that's what I like to do. I like to have a laugh. I I don't take myself too seriously, even when I'm talking about serious stuff. What I don't want people to think when they hear that this is a book about shame is that it's going to be like dark and and triggering. And, and there are bits about it that are, and there are bits about it that are uncomfortable. But I really want it to be a book that makes people feel better and happier. And there's enough dark stuff going on in the world right now. I want this book to be, you know a form of therapy for people. Hmm. I mean, how do you feel about the book being out there in the world? People are going to be reading about your life. I know you put a lot of your life out there anyway, but obviously in black and white on bookshelves and libraries for forevermore. How do you feel about that? It is scary. Like, I won't lie about that. It is scary because 
it's so much of myself, the mm. book. I'm very unashamed, you know, like that's the point of it. I I have to be completely unashamed and, and upfront and honest. And the book paints me in a completely like honest and imperfect light like I'm not a perfect person I haven't dealt with things that have happened in my life in the best way all the time I've learned from my mistakes and Mm. in the hope that anyone reading the book can also learn from them but I think it's it is an it's an intimidating thought I'll be completely honest about that it's the first time that something like this because because with stand-up it's like you get an immediate immediate response to people so Mm. you go and do a show like I did my debut solo show at the Edinburgh Fringe last summer before COVID, so 2019. And when I was doing that show, it was like I I was there when people were witnessing it. So I was mm-hmm. witnessing them witness it. Whereas with a book, you're not in their bedrooms in the evenings <laughs> when they're reading the book, watching yeah. them react, seeing if they laugh at the bits you wanted them to laugh at, seeing if they respond to you in a different way to what you thought or respond to the book in a different way. You, you don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. If someone's own personal experience when they're consuming a book it's their book as much Mm -hmm. as it's yours so that's a very different concept to what I'm used to and I think you know I think the week it comes out there will be a lot of tears and there'll be lots of feelings and emotions and that's fine like that's I'm prepared for that and I know that that's part of part of this process Mm. so you're here to give us your best pieces of advice and so let's start off with that your first piece of advice is never be late She's quite serious, I think, and, and you know. Oh my god, I wish that wasn't first because now people are going to be like, "Oh my god, who is this stickler?" <laughs> I shouldn't have put that first. Actually, when I was sending them over, I was like, "Let me move that to like number five because it's such yeah. like a boring one." And then I didn't do that, and I'm so annoyed with myself. You know what it is, and it is because I got this from my dad. My dad worked in politics for a long time, and he was very good at his job. Very kind of on it like really hard working his work consumed him and one of the things he said to me when I was a teenager is he was like I've never hired someone who was late for an interview and so I always think about that and I'm always like okay well that's just a good thing to know I'm also not perfect I say that and it's like mm, I'm late to things like <laughs> I'm I'm definitely not always on time but to things where I know it's like being judged on a first impression that's why I do think that's a good piece of advice if it's somewhere your first impression really counts. You have to be there to make the first impression. So you have to be there on time. So that's the boring piece of advice out of the way. I hope the next one's more interesting. <laughs> Can we say your dad is obviously Alistair Campbell? Of course. And you talk about him a lot in the book as well. And, and you're quite open, I think, aren't you, about talking about his life as well as yours. How does how does that go down sometimes? He loves it. My dad's like, anything to stay relevant. <laughs> He also loves it because it's like something that we can then joke about together yeah. and, and we do do stuff together. So he's very supportive of all of that. And he's like, I'm much funnier than you. You have to remember <laughs> that. I'm much, much funnier than you. <laughs> yeah. You have had a podcast together as well, of course, which was a yes. big success. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super fun. And like that, 
that definitely brought a new angle to our relationship because I was like, well, we're co-workers now, Dad. You can't talk <laughs> down on me. Like, I am your colleague. In fact, I'm your employer because I produce the podcast. So it's it's definitely brought a fun new dynamic to our relationship. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Um, to move away from the main man in your life, though, but the lot of the book is about women and the importance of women's friendships. And your second piece of advice is to make friends with women wherever you go. And is that has that always been key for you? It has. It has. And my mum always says to me, whenever I'm really sad and like my mental health isn't great, my mum always says, Grace, you have the most incredible friendships of anyone that I've ever known. And that is because you're an incredible friend. And I treat my friendships like I treat any relationship. I nourish it. I cherish it. I work on relationships with my friends because to me, that's been the most important sort of support system in my life. And that's why that piece of advice is so important because I'm not just talking about like in school and and in school I've had I'm still friends of all of my friends from school but in every element of my life to have women there backing you fighting your corner knowing that there's another woman in the room who knows what you're feeling and knows what you're going through makes you feel like whatever you're doing you're not doing it alone so it's about seeking out those women wherever you go is that always your instinct to find the woman in the room yeah I mean it but it's also to always know even if they're not in the room, they're with me mm. in my mind. Like my friendship group, which is very, I've got a really eclectic mix of friends and friends from school and, and then friends from work and, and friends that I do a lot of work with together. And it's the always knowing if they're there or not in the room that I've got them in my head telling me how to handle a situation. And mm. I could have never done any of the work that I've done without my friends. I could have never started doing stand up comedy if all of my best friends didn't come to every single one of my gigs with me for the first six months. I never did a single gig alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have never done that without them. And that's that's a real thing that I think it's about cherishing your friendships and really treating your friendships like relationships and, and working on them and making sure that you're giving to them what they give to you. And I'm, I, that's something I really pride myself on. Do you feel like that's something that has been more prevalent in recent years? I feel like that is just something we're coming around to more after the kind of kind of naughty sex in the city, men, men, men things were kind of more now. No, actually, that's not your main support system. Yeah, and I think the narrative's really changed now around like, you're not defined by what your relationship status is or the person you're with. Well, not to me anyway. Like, mm. I define myself by the amazing women that I surround myself with and by the women who like I really care about what they think about the work that I do and everything like that and that's where I get a lot of the approval in my life and so I love seeing that and I love seeing that change and I also love sex in the city of course j'adore (laughs) but I love the idea now that the ending of a story isn't about like who you end up with or Mm. you know how permanent and amazing the person you're with is it's who you've got in your life like who will give you that unconditional love forever Mm. I just love it like being wrapped up in female friendship is so kind of warm and and cozy and nice yeah how have you found the female networks within comedy because obviously that's something that's talked about a lot is it quite supportive and and have you found a lot of friends on that scene yeah it's really supportive I remember when I was doing Edinburgh Fringe last year and I was very new to comedy and I'd kind of rushed to do my first Edinburgh show and and 
it was very ambitious to do it that quickly after not being doing comedy for that long. And so many like more experienced comedians reached out to me, people I didn't know, like would message me on Instagram being like, just want to check in and say like, I'm here. I know how hard this is. I know that it's very grueling. And if you ever want to talk, I'm here and just know that you're not going through this alone. That's such a nice feeling. That's amazing. From the outside, sometimes it can seem like that comedy circuit is a scary place, I guess. Well, I think it traditionally is. And that's why there are so many women wanting to change that, because they know for women that have been doing it for much longer than I have, they know what that process feels like when you really are going through it alone. Mm. So there are so many amazing women in comedy who are now doing the opposite to sort of support new women coming up. Yeah. You spoke about uh, your friends also being part of your work life and your third piece of advice is not caring about what men think of you. Talk about that for a second. So I think this is very important and I know that not everyone can attain the level of which I can do this because I'm a freelance and I do get to, to an extent, decide who I work with. But I made a conscious decision a few years ago to not work with men unless I had to, unless there was, you know, unless I was basically being made to, because I do not want to be in a situation where I'm having to seek approval from someone who I just know isn't going to get me. I know there are so many, not all men, hashtag not all men, so many amazing men in the world. I'm not generalizing, but a lot of the men I've worked with in my not very long career in like comedy and TV and and this world have gone out of their way to make me feel uncomfortable and have gone out of their way to make me feel like shit and make me feel like I don't belong wherever I am. That's why I just will now say they're not for me. I'm not for them. Like there are so many men who will just, I'll never have their approval because I'm not their kind of person. And I can tell when I meet a man I can tell when they're not going to like me because they they see me and they're like, okay, she's not attractive enough for me to fancy her and flirt with her. She clearly doesn't care about like what I think in the sense of like, she's not going to try like go Mm. out of her way. So I can always sort of see and, and and I react to that and I think, well, fuck it. Like the point of the stuff that I do is to challenge people like that and show them that I'm not gonna like not say what I was gonna say about wanking. Mm. just to save them a little bit of discomfort in a meeting. But do you think that's ever put you at a disadvantage? Do you think you've missed out of opportunities because of you taking that stance? I mean, I think so. I think I think probably, but then I also think at the same time, I'm incredibly privileged and have had benefited from nepotism in my life. And I'm completely honest about that. That's just mm. a fact of the industry. So I think not really to talk about the disadvantages from me being a bit kind of you know, standoffish of men. I I think that compared to how much I've benefited, there's not really an argument there. Mm. But I do think, look, if if like that kind of person doesn't want to work with me, it's also because I don't want to work with them. And I know that not everyone can do this. And I talk about this in the book because, you know, if you work in a company, you you have to work with whoever you're told to work with. Um, You can't say, I'm not working with that person because that could put your job at risk. But there are ways that you can, in your work environment, then seek out 
the women or just the people who you feel you can connect with who can back you and can fight your corner for you in your workplace I think that's really important yeah but it's all about networks isn't it in that sense if you're in those big companies and you say as well that you run all of your jokes and everything you do past your friends I want to know how does that work is there a whatsapp group where it's like joke 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 Anna and Tyler who are two of my best friends I will whatsapp them like is this a crazy joke and then they'll be like "Mm, I don't get it voice note it and then I'll voice note it and they're like okay I get it but I'm not sure you can do that and then or they'll be like yeah amazing love it and those two and they came to all of my first gigs with me and they've basically you know they're like my pro bono joke writers with me like they, yeah they just we, we all have exactly the same sense of humor and they know me so well and then they'll be the ones who will message me like oh my god do you remember that time that you did that crazy thing with that guy when we were like 15 you should talk about that in your stand-up and then I'm like oh I'd completely forgotten about the night that that happened and then you know it's ended <laughs> and no no consultancy fees whatsoever that's amazing I just tell them when I eventually get invited to the BAFTAs they'll be my plus one Okay, perfect. (laughs) You take that kind of female only or or female preferenced thing into any other areas of your life. I'm thinking like I'm only reading books written by female authors this year, for instance. So there are things that you you proactively decide to do. and, And if so, why? I would say I don't do that proactively. I just do it naturally. Like I can't remember the last time I read a book by a man. (laughs) but that wasn't like a decision I was just like oh why would I want to read a book by a man over a book by a woman um when was the last time I did that I can't remember the last book I read oh Living Better by Alistair Campbell the only (laughs) man I'll read his book okay apart from him no and then it's the same with like TV I mean all of my favorite stand-ups are women all of my favorite shows are shows by women so I don't necessarily make a conscious decision to do that I just do it yeah, it's about surrounding yourself with things that you can enjoy in the short amounts of time we have to enjoy things, I guess. Yeah. Brilliant. We'll be back with more from Grace after this. We're here with Grace and we're going to go straight into your fourth piece of advice. So what's that? My fourth piece of advice is, and this is coming back onto the theme of shame to plug my book again, Amazing Disgrace. It is don't be ashamed if you have an off work day and if you, and it might not necessarily be with work, but if you have an off day. Me and my friend Scarlett, we always say to each other when we're having a really, really bad day, mental health wise, the only goal of that day is to get to the end of it and to get everything you have to get done, done, and then to get to the end of it. And as soon as you can get into bed, watch Real Housewives, watch whatever makes you chill out and detach from whatever you've been feeling. There's no shame in that, you know, like, we all work in different ways and we also all function in different ways and sometimes we do just have bad days and sometimes when I'm having a really bad day I'm like oh my god this is it this is it I'm never gonna feel bad this is my state for the rest of my life I'm gonna wake up every day feeling like this and I'm never gonna get anything done and everybody hates me it's just remembering that it's just a day it's just a day in your life where you're not your best version of yourself and that's fine you listen to it and you go and do the things that like calm you down the conversation's moved on so much though even in the last five years do you feel like in the past that might not have been an acceptable thing to say to an employer where it is now and and obviously that's a great thing that we can work more flexibly that way now I agree and I think I mean it's amazing now and and I, I can only mainly speak from my experience of like 
everyone I work with, I'm completely transparent when I'm having very bad mental health periods. And I still get everything done. But I'm just like, by the way, this is why I'm not replying to every single message you send me, I'm, I'm gonna do it. But you know, I'm trying to avoid looking at my phone to calm my my mind. And people, you know, always surprise you by the way that they're they like oh thank you so much for saying that and I hope you're okay and and I know that that's not the case across the board but I do think it's gotten better and and I know my dad knows that really well because that's a lot of linked a lot of the work that he does around mental health you really can be transparent now and if your employer doesn't respond to you in the way they should then you can shame them like then they deserve to be shamed you know what I mean because that is the way that the world is now and we should see mental health sick days as the same as when you've got a flu or food poisoning or whatever. We should see them as the same kind of days. Do you have, you said you speak to your friend Scarlett often when you're having those days. Do you have friends that you speak to when you're having those days and not others? I mean, not not that it's not about not others, but do you have people that you can know you can rely on to have those conversations? Oh, totally. I mean, Scarlett and Tyler and Anna, my two friends I spoke about earlier, like the three of them... I just will call. I mean, I called Anna. I had like a one minute break before doing this podcast. And I was like, Anna, I need to quickly talk to you because I'm feeling really anxious and I need you to calm me down. And then she calmed me down and then I felt good. And it's just so nice to always know that people are like at the other end of the phone, especially like in the next few months when the book comes out and it will be scary. Mm -hmm. And if people don't feel like they have those people at the end of the phone like what would you recommend or do you think that people don't realize that their friends would be open to those conversations I mean I think it's hard because like I know that not everyone has like solid group of groups of friends and I and I totally get that I think there are always people who maybe you're doing them an injustice by thinking that they won't actually surprise you and and be really great at listening and I say this to people a lot like friends who are in relationships but don't want to talk to their partners about their mental health it's like I really think people always surprise you with how good they are at listening because that's really the main thing no one will always say the right thing when you're talking about your mental health but Mm. just having someone listen to you and know what you're feeling is so important so so that's the main thing I would say it's just like trust in in the good in other people yeah and if they're not then get rid yeah well yeah absolutely I love your fifth piece of advice I mean it's just evergreen isn't it for all of us don't shit where you eat (laughs) (laughs) I mean expand on that tell me about times that happened to you oh my god I forgot all of these (laughs) don't shit where you eat so I mean this in two ways don't fuck people you work with And don't fuck people in your friendship groups. Unless you're good, unless you think you guys are gonna fall in love and have a really successful relationship, it never ends well. Mm. Okay. And it always causes unnecessary drama that we don't need. Mm. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> I made that mistake too many times when I was younger. I got with silly people that I shouldn't have gotten with, then created problems in friendship groups and and meant that, you know, ruined friendships. And it was like, I didn't need to do that. I could have just had a wank. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there you go. I mean, I I feel like you've summed that up. I want to know more. Was there times in life where you, when did you realise that, come on now, 
this is my new rule. Oh my God. So like, I just can't even tell you like so many, this has happened to me so many times. It was like, Grace, when are you going to learn? Like, when are you going to learn? You don't need to get with that person that will then, you know, because I've never like worked in an office, really. I've actually, I got with one person that I worked with and luckily I didn't have to work with him for that much longer and that was actually an okay experience but for my friends who have like had weird sex dynamics with people in their office and then you've got to go into the office and see them and you feel like shit just don't do it go on the app (laughs) find someone online (laughs) I think always excellent evergreen advice so from some relationship advice to some fashion advice what's your final piece of good advice Okay. And I love fashion. Right now I'm wearing my exercise clothes, but I love being glamorous. This sixth piece of advice is dress like the person that you want to be. Okay. Very Dolly Parton, you know, her (laughs) quote, which is like, find out who you are and do it on purpose. And that's how I feel about clothes. I feel like for me, I'll dress in the way that I want to be seen and in the way that I want to be kind of like valued. And I dress to reflect my character completely so it's like people can be prepared for the fact that I'm gonna be a lot because I'm wearing a lot and I like the fact that it's like warning flag I am I am exactly what's on my body right now take me as I am and I think it's you know however that is however you want to be perceived I used to always like when I was starting out working and going for meetings and stuff I was always like, I'm going to dress exactly how I want to dress so that whoever I'm meeting knows that I've dressed for myself and not for them. I love the idea of your fashion being a warning flag to people. I've never heard that before. Do you think then you never would dress for like an occasion? You are who you are no matter where it is. Oh, I dress for an occasion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I dress like me for an occasion. But yeah, like for an occasion, I'm like amazing heeled boots. But it's like always, I don't think all this is going to be too much. Like people are going to be like, oh, who's that girl? I just dress however I want to dress. Yeah. How have you found your relationship with fashion has been this year with us not going out as much, obviously? Yeah, it's it's been, it has been very different. And whenever I do have an occasion to dress up, I'm like, God, I have to just piece everything together perfectly because it's my one chance this mm. month to go out and be seen. And I did some comedy shows last week and I was like, I'm going to wear the most ridiculous outfit possible <laughs> and look the best I've ever looked because it's such a nice feeling to be able to dress up and obviously we can't do that much now but in the lockdown I I would like dress up for zoom quizzes yeah yeah that was the good thing about zoom quizzes the one good thing yeah would you say as well that your fashion does is it a reciprocal thing so if you're having a bit of a low day does the fashion give you the boost you need yes it does it really does like wearing something that can cheer you up and something that makes you feel like the person you want to be when you don't feel like that person you know I wore this dress for a show last week and it was I rented it from her which is an amazing like clothes rental company and it was this red puffy it had an amazing long train and with like boots and I was like I feel even though I was so nervous about the show I was like I look amazing therefore I am amazing it's a really good way to reinstate confidence when you're feeling a bit insecure totally agree and uh, we always finish on a piece of bad advice you've been given so tell us what yours is 
So my bad piece of advice that people have given me, which I've now worked out isn't a good piece of advice, is say yes to everything. I actually think you don't need to say yes to everything. You need to work out the things that will make you feel good and the things that will be worthwhile to your time. But I don't think you should say yes to everything because then that's how you burn out and then get to the point where where it's like, why have I said yes to all of these things that I don't want to do? And that definitely is a process. Like uh, when I first started out, I was like, everything I got asked to do, I have to say yes to it. I have to say yes to it. Like I can't not do stuff because what if I say no and then they'll never want to talk to me again. But that's, I don't think, a very good piece of advice. You should do the things that you can manage and be really realistic with your time and your mental health. And, you know, you need new time. You need lots of you time. Are you good at saying no now? And have you found that it's a good thing to do? I'm, I'm good at saying no to the things that aren't the right thing for me. I say I, I'm good. At, I'm better at knowing what is right for me and what isn't. Like I used to always sort of say yes to things. And then I'd be there and I'd be messaging like my friends and be like, why did I say yes to this? Like, this is really stressing me out. And it's nothing to do with what I actually do. So it's things, you know, more realistic at saying no to things that I know aren't going to be right for me. Yeah, absolutely. We could all do with more of that. My thanks to Grace Campbell. Her book, Amazing Disgrace, is out now. Thanks as ever to you for joining us. We will make the same plea every week, but it's really important to us. If you can, please share our episodes with anyone you think might love them as much as you do. And give us a lovely review in your podcast player too, if you can. It all helps. Thanks. See you next time.